Welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Kate Longhurst and Jesse Parker Humphreys. Becky Taylor-Gill's been given a one-match ban after her Manchester United-Liverpool antics and North London derby antics. Uh, we have to lay down the law and she's bringing Counterpress into disrepute. She is. She is. It's too much. People were coming for our surnames, Flo. <laughs> it's getting personal. Hey, blame my parents for that. My name didn't even exist in my family tree and my dad bloody invented it just to be annoying. So that is annoying. We're all OG first. We are the first gen. First gen yeah. surname. But your, so guys, your guys are a combo of your parents, yes, right? Yes, yours is not. So no. my dad's last name was Hughes, but he was desperate to elevate himself in the world <laughs> and thought that double-barreled names were the way to do it. So I think he found Lloyd like somewhere in the family tree along the line, but it wasn't a combo. My mum's Maiden name is Appleby, actually, which is quite a nice name. Yeah, Appleby is nice. Um, Appleby Hughes. Appleby oh, Hughes. Could be a good nice. combo. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. store. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. department. Oh, I got it. Appleby Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> High end, of course. And then my great, well, my grandma's main name was Padwick, which, uh, and my great grandpa did actually own a sports shop. So there you go. Padwick's. So. Yeah, good vibes. Good to get some Lloyd Hughes family history to start the history. Um, Kate, we need to talk about Charlton's 98th minute equaliser against Sheffield United. What a moment. Yeah, I, it would have been nicer if it was a winner. I honestly think if we had another five minutes, we would have won the game because second half, we just relentless. Like All over him, had so many chances. Um, but in the first half, we were pretty awful. So you're happy with a point in the end? You take a point. After, I mean, half-time if you're 2-0 down. Yeah, you would you would take a point, but I think the way we played second half, I was also disappointed that we couldn't win. I like the way you featured in the limbs picture that went out on the Charlton. Yeah, you kind of draw media. the attention away from Kira because yeah, you just, just you. jumps on her. Well, I, well she scored, like, <laughs> but you know, I had cramp for the last ten minutes and. When I jumped on her, I got cramp really bad in both my calves. So I was like, put me down, put me down. And then you can see me walking off like like I've pooed myself. Won't be the first not time. The first, I was about to say, not the first time. That is counter-press law. We had to talk about Women's Championship though because, wow, it's, it's getting pretty spicy. Birmingham City, who have an absolutely stacked squad but started the season really badly, are now top because they've won six games in a row, including a win against Sunderland, which are one of your kind of like title rivals. Wow. It's they're really tight. Yeah, they're doing really well. I think if you look at their squad, they should really be up there. I think it's goal difference, isn't it, separating us and them? Yeah. Two um, points between the top five. Yeah, it's, it's really, really tight. This is the league you need to watch, people. Yes, yeah. yeah. forget true. the WSL. It's true. Um, but no, there's a, listen. There's going to be a lot of chopping and changing. I think in that in that league. Um, I, I think it's is you know it'll, it might come down to when you play those teams against each other. People have to drop points, so it will be very interesting. But I hope it stays that exciting for the whole season because I think. Like imagine if we had a last day five five team title race like that would be unreal. Do you think teams will go big in January to try and get? Them I really over don't. Maybe no, London City Lionesses new ownership might be Michelle well, Kang. They are quite far back though. No, but just to but yeah. just to survive yeah, in case yeah, they get yeah, dragged yeah. into it. Yeah, I think it's it depends on teams' budgets um, and big and signings squad coming size. for Charlton. I have no idea. Okay, useless. No useless. idea. Uh, but uh, Watford 
I don't know how this happened. Oh, they fumbled it. They drew three all with London City Lionesses after going three nil up. Michelle Adjiman with two in seven minutes. In seven minutes, an own goal and two Michelle Adjiman goals. How there do you is do such that? a thing as scoring three goals too early. Apparently, <laughs> genuinely, I don't know how they did that. I thought it was going to be like six nil, and then I looked at the finals. I was like, how did that happen? But yeah, at the top you've got Birmingham City, Charlton on twenty three points, Sunderland just a point behind with twenty two. Palace with 21, Southampton with 21. It's really spicy. It's really spicy. And your first game back is going to be, well, you've got the FA Cup fourth round against Ipswich, but then you're playing Blackburn Robes on the 21st of January. Can we just ends. talk about that they've got the FA Cup against Ipswich? Because this is annoying. <laughs> Stop dancing. Stop dancing. What do you think is too easy? No, because it no. should have been Lewis. Oh, but Lewis redemption. like absolutely fumbled the bag. Yeah, Lewis having a really Got poor battered. season. And you wanted the Kate Longhurst red card revival, didn't you? Yeah, and now I'm going to have to go to Luton Brighton instead. <laughs> because you want, you want some action. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about North London Derby. That was a uh, massive result, obviously, for Spurs. We're going to talk about Manchester United losing to Liverpool. A big, big shock in the WSL there. Briefly touch on Chelsea and an interesting week for them after that Arsenal defeat and maybe an honourable mention to Manchester City as well. So let's get cracking with the North London derby next. Jesse, you were at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Great day. Great day out. Did Great you, food. I was about to say, did you enjoy the press box buffet? Wow, I did. I was moved. Nice little fry up. Um, really good, right? Did turn up a teensy bit hungover because <laughs> I'd been out the night before and it was a midday kickoff, which is too early for a Saturday, but fry up sort of me right out. Nice coffee. Bam. Great, um, great football game. feel like it wouldn't be a Jesse Parker Humphreys visit unless you were hungover. I feel like that's quite <laughs> on brand. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> no, I don't mean as a dick. I just think yeah, you're a party animal. What can I say? Busy, yeah. busy person. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, I like to go out. But what, what, what were the vibes like? Because it, it's such a big stadium that even though it was a good crowd that Spurs got, it still looks quite empty on television just because the stadium is so vast. What was the atmosphere like in there? Well, when that lady from Junior Eurovision came out, <laughs> it was popping. One icon, by the way, Freya. I can't remember her last name. Freya, uh, anyway. What, what, yeah, what, loved that. What woman? Um, Freya Sky. That's she did it. a walk around before the game and then came back at halftime with a very funny fluffy hat on uh, to do some more songs um yeah the atmosphere like wasn't amazing but I think also the result is exactly the kind of thing that makes people like really latch onto a team and like to be fair the Arsenal away support was good as it always was and, and that made it I think feel like noisy at least it, it definitely didn't feel quiet and and by the end like Spurs fans like were rocking like with a minute to go Molly Bartrip was like getting them all like up and noisy and yeah Sandy Toxvig was there Sandy Toxvig was there I didn't see her Chris Powers brought her along because they know each other from the Women's Equality Party no really iconic lesbians I only saw Big Ange on the telly oh yeah Big Big Ange was there like oh I think there was Big Angel City FC Ali Riley was there Ali Riley was there it was a who's who (laughs) of women's football legends Jessica Humphries was there (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 in the buffet (laughs) Uh, let's start with Arsenal's performance because God gives Spurs a uh, credit, but we'll, we'll get into how they kind of set up and 
how they played a blinder, really. But let's focus on Arsenal because it's obviously a frustrating result. And there was some funny post-match discourse as well. I think some Arsenal fans sort of so gutted and so disappointed they wanted some serious kind of apology apologies going on. But I think the, the, like the majority of Arsenal fans realised that it was a poor performance and sometimes that happens. And also off the back of such a high that that Chelsea game was... And the kind of chaos of midweek where Jonas Adeville made a lot of changes, but they had this like really weird back and forth with Spurs, end up winning in a really hilarious Conti Cup penalty shootout. But it had been quite an odd week heading into this long break. And it felt like a classic Arsenal we'd seen earlier in the season where without the kind of space to play with and the pace of the game that they excel in, they do struggle to break down teams. And part of that was how well Spurs defended and their setup. And I, I really liked the way that Robert Villaham kind of realised that he needed to keep players. There was a lot of man marking going on. Like, how do I shut off Russo as an option? Let me just pin someone on her the whole time. Uh, but there was space for Arsenal to work with, but the width was kind of then limited to them going back to crossing into the box and they had some good chances. They finished the game with an XG of 2.74, which is massive. 31 shots, eight on target. But speaking to a lot of Arsenal fans, they felt like we're never going to score, which feels a lot for Arsenal fans to say because so much of the Jonas Eidevald era, and we've spoken about this on the pod a lot, is feeling like even with five minutes to go on the clock, anything can happen because they never give up and they've pulled results out the bag this season. They pulled results out the bag ever since he came in. But so many Arsenal fans, like truly in this game, it felt like they thought, oh, this is a game we're not actually going to be able to pull that kind of magic out of. And I don't know if it's kind of just a lack of, uh, like a complacency amongst the squad or a lack of urgency. Uh, I thought Leah Volti was probably the best player of the game, which I'm not even saying that ironically. I genuinely think she was probably the most consistent. And that's one for the true heads. Much con- like probably one of the most consistent players on the pitch. Um, and there was some very unfair uh, criticism of Manu- Manuela Zinsberger, who, as much as I've been neggy on her for the last couple of seasons, she was not necessarily at fault for a lot of the chaos that happened on Saturday. But overall, it was like across the park, Arsenal just weren't good enough. And there's a collective responsibility you have to take. But I do think it felt like the high of that Chelsea game, going into a fixture where they have been so consistent and so dominant, I think you just get complacent. Yeah, I mean, I think Arsenal, like I said, had so many shots. Not that they were all clear cut, but I think if Caitlin Ford's shot goes in, it changes the That's whole... That's that one that hit the post yeah, in the first it, half. Yeah, it changes yeah. the whole complexity of the game. It changes the way that Tottenham have to play. changes the way that Arsenal can control the ball. I thought second half, Arsenal came out well. They looked so dominant. Um, Tottenham were really on the back foot. And then Tottenham scored an unbelievable team goal. And all of a sudden, that lifted them again. And then it was almost like Arsenal thinking, oh, we can't just win. Like, I felt that Arsenal just felt they needed one goal from the beginning of the game to then go on and win the game. And because it wasn't coming and then Tottenham scored, it was almost like, oh God, what do we do now? Mm. So then that's when all the crosses started coming in the box. That's like their panic mode. Right. Yeah, but I also think if you actually, I mean, they will have done analysis on Tottenham. If you watch the Man City game back, Tottenham didn't deal well with crosses. So I don't actually think it's a, a bad 
It wasn't tactic. the crosses that annoyed me. It was the shots from the edge of the area. Yeah, where they're almost like desperate trying to pull off a shot. Um, but I, th- I think crossing into the box isn't so bad, but then they also didn't always have the runners getting across. Um, but when you've got someone like Russo to aim for, mm. she's she's one of the best finishers and from she had crosses. A, she and had a couple of free headers. Yeah, one header she put wide where she almost, I don't know if she sort of mistimed it, it sort of like hit off her more than more than her head in it. Um, but in terms of complacency from Chelsea, I don't think they would have been going into this game thinking about, oh, we've just beaten Chelsea. I mm. think you have to take it as another separate game. And I, I think they did that. Um, but I thought Tottenham obviously planned really well. They were so hard to break down. I thought the keeper had a good game, but again, didn't have loads to do with all those shots. Um but sometimes it's just one of those days where you just you can't seem to find that last little bit that makes it click. Um, but I wouldn't say they went into that game thinking, "Oh, now that we've beaten Chelsea, we can we can just turn up and win." I, I didn't get that vibe from them. No, yeah, I don't think that either. I did wonder if there was a little bit of complacency about it being Tottenham, though. That's um, what I mean. It's the fixture and it's their record in the fixture, and like you do think, I think that. If you relentlessly attack against Spurs, given how successful Arsenal have been, that like you will break through, and I think that's the complacent element. Not necessarily just the high of the Chelsea game, which I think interacts in a different way because there's like a newfound status to where Arsenal are in the league and like where they feel like they can get to this season, which I totally get. But it's more that fixture is one that they have dominated in. Yeah, I, like I just wonder if that it was almost like psychologically they really got themselves up for the Chelsea game and then either they couldn't find it like again they did have to play midweek I know there was a lot of changes but you still sort of got to like prepare for another game against Tottenham and I also thought Tottenham probably took a lot from midweek because they scored three goals against Arsenal okay yeah it was maybe a weaker Arsenal team but of course you're going to feel good about that if you then go and play and I think you could see the fact that Tottenham played almost the exact same team was just Beth Beth England came in for Jess Naz in the end. Um, that that I, I think you could you could feel the confidence of players like Grace Clinton, like Kit Graham. That they they knew they could like get on the ball and stay stay on the ball. And I think that was like their real big advantage. I also think actually the halftime sub, which then swapped it around and brought Jess Naz on, worked really well because I think Robert Villaham's very much like we're not going to like hoof it long like we, you know the goal we scored is the way we want to play but it's very helpful when you can put it into the channels and then have someone like Naz as well as then having Celine Bize run with it and I felt like in at that start of the second half when Arsenal were like really coming like it was really useful for them to have that and I think that's probably what um, stopped Arsenal being able to actually get something out of that yeah, it was really shrewd making that substitution because a year ago, no one would have thought, I know Beth England's not, still not fully fit, but like that is a bold substitution based on what Beth England had got that side last season, like single-handedly kept them up and the stuff she'd done at Spurs Stadium. But to make that move and for it to pay off, also losing Luana Buller early on mm. and bringing on Amy Turner, who like wouldn't be someone that he probably would necessarily want to bring on that early in the game. And the way they cope with that, I think, was so impressive. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just think they felt very well organised. And I think something that was really I found really interesting was felt like lots of the stuff that had gone Arsenal's way in the midfield in the Chelsea game suddenly like went against them in the Spurs game. Like in the Chelsea game, again, it was like lots of turnovers, lots of ground duels, and it felt like Arsenal were always coming out on top. They were coming away with the ball. Whereas in this game, it felt like it was the other way around. And you saw sort of like 
Grace Clinton coming in with Katie McCabe, again, both players who want to like invert, who want to play like either on the opposite side or more centrally. But it felt like she just had the better of her in, in those areas. And Graham, I think, especially like playing as the deep line midfielder is bonkers in terms of like expecting her to be able to do that. But again, like she looked really great. And then at the end, towards the end of the game, I thought Petzelberger, again, someone who you've barely seen play for Spurs at all, just was like, everywhere um but I think from an Arsenal perspective for me the biggest thing that went wrong was the subs I just thought the substitutes were but by the end I was counting they had like three wingers two strikers and a number 10 who's kind of also a striker because it was me Demar, and I was just like there is no shape to this team it's all just like throw everything on and panic and again it's like what you're saying Flo that felt so weird to me because I was sat there on 98 minutes thinking Arsenal could probably still win this, like based on what they've done in other games. But I just felt like Idaval's decision making around that was so strange. Yeah. And Kate, going back to what you said about like, it felt like Arsenal needed that, an early goal to get control and then like go up the gears. And even though we've seen them pull off comebacks, it's like there was a bit more of a panic in that. Um, Rosella Ayans miss. <laughs> Lord Almighty, oh. hit it early, please. I beg you, gal. That was frustrating. Obviously, they went on and won the game still. But I you imagine if she iconic. misses that and then Arsenal get an equaliser. And the way that in the clip, there's a clip on social media, which is from the bench, like near the bench. And you can see everyone on the bench getting up because they think it's going in. Celine Bizet's there with her hands up in the hide, on the sideline, like celebrating. And then that tackle comes in. Brilliant challenge. But you're like... Girl, just hit it early. Just hit it. It was very Rosella early. I encoded, though, wasn't it? I don't it know. Was. She thought I need to get closer to the goal to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't trust herself, or, clearly. Yeah. And I mean, I would have hit it early just because I think they're gonna catch me. Like <laughs> no one's no one's gonna I'm not gonna outrun anyone. Um but I mean at that point in the game, you know the game's over anyway. The, mm. the whistle went pretty much straight away, didn't it? Mm. And the Spurs goal itself, uh, that was prime Barcelona, just front <laughs> to back. Unreal. Unreal. Martha Thomas as well coming back. Yeah, really, really big. Um, She obviously had a really kind of hot start to the year and then kind of dipped again and now she's back. Uh, We love to see it. Want to talk, though, Kate, about what it's like now for Arsenal going into this winter break, which is really long and annoying before you come out the other side with FA Cup, which is a frustrating way, I think, to start as well. Because you now have so long to dwell on this result, which is off the back of... A huge Chelsea result, which had and still could, like definitely still could be like a defining moment of their season. And and I think still, you know, pro- probably will be. But if they'd won this game and they'd headed into the winter break top, that feels so different. Whoa, 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 whoa. They, they wouldn't have been top. Would have been <laughs> Chelsea would have still been Sorry. top points. Um, yes, it would have, like Chelsea still won, won, won oh, yes. their game. Level on points. Level on points, let's say. Uh, top for a 24 hours before <laughs> Chelsea played. <laughs> But um, it's very different to now heading in in third after a defeat like this. Like, what what do you think the mood would be like in the camp, and what do you do because you haven't you have it, like the next game isn't coming around quickly enough to put it right. There's a lot to dwell on. Yeah, the most frustrating thing for them will be that they haven't got another game to then go and win and sort of finish on a high. Um, but I think if you'd have asked them 
after the start of the season they had, if they could be three points behind Chelsea at this stage, I think they certainly would have taken it. Um, but yeah, for, for a mentality point of view and going into the second half of the season, I think if they could have been level on points, that really leaves them in a really strong position because as we know, over the last four or five years, Chelsea don't drop a lot of points. So it's almost like you've won the hardest game and then you don't, follow it up with the next result. That next result is always such a huge game. Um, but I, I think they'll have a lot of positives. I think they'll they'll certainly be confident going into the second half of the season, the amount of times they've been able to come back. I mean, you look at that Leicester game, they were awful in the first half and absolutely blew them away second half. Like, they have it in them um, to come back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long time to wait, really, because FA Cup's the first... Well, it's on the 14th or something. So it won't really be until the end of January where they then get to play in the league again. Um, but I, I don't think they'll be too downhearted. I think they know there's still a lot they can do. They're still getting players back. Um, I'm not sure on, you know, whether Miedemar's still there. I don't know in the in the winter break. But, you know, they've still got her to come back. So I think it's they're in a strong position. Um, but yeah, of course, they'll be frustrated not being level on points. And like ever, um, Jonas Adevall said in January, they're, they're gonna, there's going to be some players in, there's going to be players, some players out, so they're going to strengthen. Uh, they've already got a, a really strong squad. Robert Villaham also saying that there's more to come from Spurs in January. But going back to how important this result was for Tottenham, they'd conceded 11 goals in two games against Manchester City and Manchester United. So to come back and get a clean sheet after their defence has not been convincing really the entire clean sheet of the season. Their entire the entire season okay. so far, that defence had been all over the place. And we know it's a lot of it's because of injuries, because players were playing well out of position, and Harry James having to play at right back at times, like. What you can see when they've got what they want at their disposal, they can like have a, a much better game and a much better defensive performance. But it does feel like this is a really important one for them to build on. And that top six is looking very interesting now because you've got Tottenham and Liverpool occupying fifth and sixth. And um, Liverpool are joint on points with Manchester United. So and, and Spurs are only three points behind. So it's it's a really exciting little top six pack. Whereas normally you see this like quite a big gap between top three and top four and then like the best of the rest. But it's closing guys. What's your mm, back? Well it might uh, the only thing I wonder is is it is it closing or is it just United were in it and they've sort of dropped off <laughs> now United going into back it. into the top six. True. True, yeah, because you've got Arsenal then on 22 points. So that gap is slightly further uh, to the rest of the top three. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to it'll be interesting to see, though, because I think when... It, sorry, I'm kind of moving. I don't want to move on to the United game too no, quick. No, but move, like, no, move on, move but on. But when the, that game started and United scored after three minutes and then they had like two other really good chances in like sort of the opening 10, I was like looking at the table and I was like, oh, this is top four over here and everyone else, you know, you're going to have the top four on sort of what? Uh, 25, 22 and 21 points and everyone else sort of back on 15. But then that one result just totally swings it around by like Liverpool being able to come back and get that, that win. Um, and it, like, you know, for for Spurs and Liverpool to be like sort of getting those points, I mean, that's Liverpool's second win over top four opposition this season for Spurs to, yeah, go and... That was only Spurs' second win ever over the top four. So they... Rosella Ayan's hands of God is the the other win over over City. But, you know, I think those 
the feeling that you can go and get those results like creates more confidence, especially when you're backing them up like more than once in a season. And I think that does make teams feel like they can go and compete. And that's what I mean about like the Conti Cup result for Spurs as well. I do think that made a really big difference in feeling like, yeah, we, you know, okay, they they conceded three goals, but they'd scored three times. So of course you're going to back yourself to like at least get something. Let's talk about that Manchester United game then, because watching this, the quick start that United made, two and getting that goal after three minutes, they had endless opportunities after that. I thought, okay, United are going to steam ahead to like a 3-0 win here at least. They didn't put away those chances. Liverpool grew more and more confident. They get the equaliser. And I think United didn't look super comfortable defensively. I think Mary Earps looked a little bit nervy the whole game. And then Liverpool nicked that winner, a bit scrambly, but they get it done. And you're like, how have Manchester United just let this game slip away from them? And I think there have been moments where they haven't finished or waste opportunities before. And like, maybe it feels a little bit familiar, but at the same time, it's like these wins are within your grasp and you've done it against Spurs not that long ago. And I didn't think that was a super, super convincing performance, but they took their chances. So it's like they're in a good rhythm, but Liverpool are really good at keeping themselves in games and really making the most of the opportunities they get. Well, they nearly threw it away because every opportunity Man United had came from Liverpool trying to overplay at the back or a misplaced pass, a back pass, under hit. Um, and, and Man United really could have taken the game away from them in the first 20 minutes. It could have been 4-0. And I don't think anyone could have said, oh no, it's it's not deserved because those chances were there for them. Um, but then Liverpool, they've done what they've done most this season, I think staying in games apart from the Chelsea game but they they stayed in the game and then all of a sudden it was almost like the confidence grew I think they looked dangerous from when they were putting the ball in the box Man United didn't really know how to deal with that set pieces they looked dangerous Um, they've got a lot of players that want to attack the ball Um, and they sort of then controlled the tempo a little bit I felt Um, they made it quite hard for Man United and sort of forced them to then I don't, four shots or force crosses into the box. It, it wasn't comfortable for them and their belief grew and grew as the game went on. Um, and I said at the beginning of the season where I f- felt that Liverpool were always going to be in games and obviously that Chelsea game was sort of way out of out of their, um, how they've been playing this season. Um, but I really think if they could get one or two players... They can they can really try and push for Champions League. I know it's hard, but I really do think if they can get one or two players, um, that they're they're a very solid team right now, um, and hard for any opposition. And if you look at where they are on the table and the football they've been playing, and you were looking for a club in January, you'd be quite happy to join like a really exciting, talented squad, great coach in Matt Beard. And, you know, people thought Jonas Adevel was onto something with Jess Carter, but true heads will know at Stamford Bridge the way that Liverpool ch- targeted Jess Carter and had a bit of success with Shanice van der Sanden. That was the That was the <laughs> that blueprint. Was the blueprint right? That was the blueprint, guys. Um, I want to talk... You're just, li- say, so just to clarify, you're just saying Jonas Adevel's just a shit Matt Beard. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just making a gag, but... Um, I I I, th- I did Arsenal think Arsenal Twitter. <laughs> no, but I did, I did actually think there were moments in that 
Chelsea Liverpool game where I was like, oh, okay, Liverpool kind of onto something, and Shanice Van Sal was playing well, but like the quality that Chelsea had in the moments that they needed just put the game beyond them. But yeah. that's almost though I think what United have really been missing this season those those moments of individual quality where even if you're not playing great as a team, that someone can like pop like. In the Liverpool game, it was just the Lauren James show. Like, yeah. if you've got a player like that who's just going to make something that, like, totally changes the whole game, that's very hard for a team to deal with. And, you know, Liverpool aren't going to be the last team to have that happen to them. Whereas with United, I feel like the, the problem is at the moment when you, like, look at their attack, you're kind of like, okay, so who is that player who you looked, you know, and, like, last year, that, that was normally on a bad year and you're like yeah at some point she's going to put in a really good cross that's going to end up on somebody's head Rachel Williams Rachel Williams head exactly and now I feel like also the thing that annoys me about United is the chop and change I'm just like I just don't think it helps any of your attackers when it's like one week it's Lucia Garcia next week it's Nikita Paris and I think Paris has been good and then JC's your big star signing and then she's on the bench because Mallard's playing really well I'm like that's cool, but I feel like you need a better idea of like who are your starters, who are your finishers, so they can build those relationships. Whereas if you're changing it every week, then it's it's hard. And it's hard for the players too, because you saw when Toon came off yesterday for Jay-Z, she was pissed. And yeah, it's she like, looked fuming. She was fuming. And it's like you could maybe manage these situations a little bit better by having a clear idea of who like who's gonna play. But it's always like we know this about skinny, like he he does tend to constantly try and solve problems and sometimes just needs a bit but more consistency. But what's weird is it, that is the opposite of what he did last year. Well, he ne- he didn't make enough substitutions, but like he... he No, he played like the same starting 11 the entire year. Like I think nine of like nine players played 22 matches, like started 22 matches. Like it was crazy. And it was like lucky because of injuries and things like that. And, you know, I know afterwards he was saying they've been a bit more unfortunate with that. And there is some truth to that, but there are plenty of teams who are struggling with the same thing. But it's just weird to me that like the solution he landed on, which I think was the right one, is something he's totally abandoned, which is like, you just play the same players regardless. And uh, Yeah, a lot of the frustration last season was fans feeling like when they were struggling to find a breakthrough in games. He was sitting on that starting eleven too much and not making changes. Like there were a couple of games where they sort of sneaked through like that one against Reading. They got a little bit lucky and fans were like, you need to make more changes. Yeah, like you say, Jesse, it's like he's gone for the opposite this season. Just keeps throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. And some of that is because he's got a bigger squad now and he probably feels like he's got more options in that attacking line. I don't think he's even got a bigger squad. It's just last year, he obviously had loads of players he didn't want to play at all. <laughs> like, it's easy if, you know, if you're like... He's definitely got... You feel, I think he's got more attacking options, though, because he's got Mallard, he's got Jay-Z, he's got Paris, he's got Garcia. Obviously, Garcia and Paris were there last season. But, like, Mallard and Jay-Z, um, Miyazawa was injured. But, like, that's quite a lot. Like, with Miyazawa as well, that's quite a lot to play with. Yeah, I know, but like last season, for example, he had Estelle Cascarino, Isuzu, Tuntara. Cascarino never got a sniff. Well, yeah, it, there <laughs> were plenty of players. Never got a sniff. Adrian Leon yeah. never played. Martha Thomas, I mean, to be fair, she came on in like every game, but like she, I think she played like 400 minutes across the whole season. If you've got players you don't just don't want to use, then of course it's going to feel like you don't have a big squad. But like that's also part, seemingly part of the problem that I don't know whether it's that United are buying the players and Skinner doesn't want them. Or Skinner's getting players and then deciding he doesn't want them. But it it just repeatedly feels like there's players who he's not really that keen on. Even, like, not playing JC, I don't think she's had, like, 
an amazing season. But I also think she's clearly a player who's incredibly low on confidence and therefore dropping her, you know, sort of nine, ten games in feels like the last thing that you want to do. It would make much more sense just to carry on playing her. I and think. I think in I think to give her uh, the benefit of doubt, so I think she's had good performances, but not Even if taking she's not her finished, chances. Yeah. yeah, that's the biggest one. And I think that's so frustrating to watch. We'll give uh, United a bit of leeway that, Gemma Bonner probably should have been sent off before she got that horrible head slash mouth injury, which was just grim to watch. But her challenge on Rachel Williams was awful. And in a VAR option, and I'm not saying I'm pro VAR on WSL, but that would have been a sending off. So really Liverpool should have been down to 10 men for like 20 minutes or so. Um, but at the same time, would United have closed? Who knows? But I think they do look a little bit better when Narsland came on um but like Liverpool are just the you know the the kingmakers this season what can we say they're just like up for it and I think there's there's a clear team spirit as well which we talk about vibes on this show but that counts for a lot the energy in that group is a tight squad with some very talented players some young players some more experienced ones Bonner van der Sanden slightly older players everything's coming together to create a pretty great group. Yeah, and I think they have a lot of different options as well. So And Grace Fist for England, just shout out again. <laughs> Serena, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm on that train as well. <laughs> Jesse, um, you joining us? Get on board, choo choo. I'm um um I'm not there yet. Oh, <sighs> rabbit. <laughs> um but I think they have a lot of options and when they need different things in different games they actually can change things up with very different players. I still think Leanne Kiernan's still coming back and I still think if you were playing counter-attacking football against the team um, that comes at you, she's an absolutely unbelievable option to have as well. So it'd be good to see her second half of the season maybe come into things a little bit more. I think Kerry Holland in midfield is a is a really important player for them. Um, Evan. Every time I've played against her, she's she's been really good, but I've been really impressed with how she can dictate play, um, her quality on the ball, but also her work rate off it. Um, but I just think they look really safe behind the ball, um, but have a lot of exciting different forwards. And, and you can kind of see that in the games that they play, that it, you're not relying on the same one or two players. It's actually been quite a, a big team effort in terms of scoring the goals, creating the goals. Um, so they're definitely a team that I enjoy watching every week. That Liverpool-Arsenal game, which is not the first WSL weekend back, but the one after, so 28th of Jan, that's going to potentially be a hell of a game at Prenton Park. I will be there. Will you? I will you, be you're there. You're going. You're no. going to go to Prenton no, Park. No, metaphorically. I'll be <laughs> metaphorically. There. Um, let's talk Chelsea and City next. Jesse, don't, I don't want to focus too much on the Bristol City game because I know you were feeling a little bit wall about that, but it was sort of a, a, a win that was important, but maybe we can't really draw loads from, although I will be drawing massive conclusions about Hannah Hampton <laughs> later on in the show. But I want to talk more about the week that was for Chelsea because it was a bit of a hangover week and you wrote about it midweek after the Hecking game, which was really frustrating Chelsea had the opportunity to win that game. We're a little bit unlucky with the way that, like, was it two that hit the bar and then didn't go over the line? One. One. Uh, yeah. And then Sam Kerr scored, but it was offside. Oh, it was but offside. It tight. So, like, they were a little bit unlucky, let's say, but they, they did feel like some 
Arsenal hangover vibes there. And there was also a little bit of frustra- frustration with the fans, players not sort of acknowledging the fans for coming on a slightly bleak To be fair, I think that night. might have just been my head being a little bit hot. A little but, bit rattled. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah. So, obviously, think about the context of the Bristol City result. But still, this Arsenal defeat... How much do you think that is still going to linger with the context of the season being a little bit different? Because Emma's going and that changes things a little bit. But like, how much does the last week draw conclusions on maybe the rest of Chelsea's season at all? I've got to be honest, I really think Arsenal losing the North London derby changes everything again. Like, I really feel like Chelsea have got, to a certain extent, a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, I think, obviously, the the draw against Hecken is really frustrating, but... I have so much respect for Hecken because they are having the scammiest Champions League group stage <laughs> you will ever see. Their expected and goal difference out of season as well. Their expected goal difference from their first three games is minus seven, and they've taken seven points. Wow! Um, they've like literally like every result they've got that they've like you got to fake it till you make it. They are faking it till <laughs> they make it, and that's why I say I have big respect for it in that sense. But you know, I think. Hayes said this after the game like you play that like a million times again and Chelsea win every time like Chelsea had their lowest uh, expected goals allowed the whole season that's like how little Hecken offered going forward so but I do wonder if there was an anxiety in the way Chelsea attacked because I did think especially in the first half it felt like they just it, it it was like they didn't really believe ex- in exactly what they were supposed to be doing. And I don't know how much that came from the Arsenal game. Um, I definitely think it's, it's feasible. And Hayes spoke afterwards about sort of the midfield being a bit unbalanced and Kerr kept like going out wide and then there was no one in the box when the ball came in. So, yeah, it, it's tough. But also, like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's like as an excuse, but like Chelsea have obviously had a lot of illness in the camp and it's a lot of games to go and play. Um, and I don't think that's helped that, you know, players, for example, who were meant to start against Hecken, who hadn't been part of the Arsenal game, didn't. So like Ashley Lawrence was meant to start, but couldn't need Paris. So all the kind of stuff about like bringing like fresh energy and fresh legs couldn't really happen in that game. I think it will be interesting to see obviously what happens in Sweden on Wednesday. Like Chelsea will feel like that's must win. But that's why I think the North London derby result was really interesting because they got to go and play Bristol. It was fairly comfortable in the end. And now they're top of the league and three points clear at Christmas. Chelsea don't have a lot of blips, but Hecken and Arsenal, massive defeat. Felt like a blip. So does that, like, I know Arsenal losing that game just changes the dynamic of the season. But all in all, across the balance of these first few months, do you feel like Chelsea were going through it a little bit and did it make you feel different to how you had about them and their title chances compared to the previous three slash four? I think... Chelsea have like struggled since com- the Chelsea that have played after the international break compared to the Chelsea that played before has felt very very different. I don't know how much that is like a fatigue issue. They played a lot of games, lots of those players then went and played a lo- like ton of minutes on international break as well. Um the injuries have meant like that the squad's very thin. Chelsea had one like actual center back in the Bristol City game available to them. So that's injuries and illness. So that then adds further pressure to the players. But it's also tough because it's it's quite a small period of time. Like you have the Arsenal defeat. That's just like poor tactics, poor like 
intensity from the players themselves, I think. And that becomes this really outsized result. Then maybe that affects the nil-nil with Hecken, but you beat Bristol City, but kind of like you're doing, no one really says anything about it because everyone's like, oh, it's Bristol City. But United and Arsenal both struggled there. So I kind of see that as like a pretty good win. I feel like the Arsenal result, it's easy to like make it feel very outsized. But with the Bristol game, I just kind of felt like Chelsea had to go and win. They need to go to Sweden and win. And then if that happens, you say, okay, everyone has like two weeks off or whatever. And you go again in January. Well, they got to go again against Manchester United at Stamford Bridge. How do you feel about that game? Uh, Better now Liverpool beat United. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But but, maybe we have had this in previous seasons, but it feels like there's a little bit of a let-off across the board for Chelsea, whereas in the past, I feel like Chelsea have had to do a little bit more, show a bit more. Performances have been more impressive. But I don't think that's true. Don't you think before international break, Chelsea have played way better than they normally play at the start of the season? Like, I think if you ignore sort of like the Arsenal result, basically, this has been... Normally, Chelsea are really quite... They're more like scammy at the start of the season and then come good later on. Yeah, so I think their performances have been really good. But what I'm saying is like... There, since the like you say since the international break there's been letters from elsewhere whereas normally they wouldn't need to rely on those do you know what I mean they'd be building consistency up to a point although there might be a few little those banana skins first game of the season like a, or maybe a Brighton or a Reading thrown in there as like a psych like diarrhea December a few years ago but all in all I think this has been a season where like other people have been helping Chelsea out, even though they dug themselves into a hole with that Arsenal game. It's like the fact that United lose Liverpool, the fact that Spurs beat Arsenal on this weekend, it's like that is a let off, massive let off. Yeah, it's definitely a let off, but I, I kind of think like lots of these teams do do this every season. That's why it's been like sort of crazy that Chelsea have managed to string together this many league titles back to back. Like, I think it, that's a lot more to do what other teams have failed to do than it is to what Chelsea have been able to do because there's been plenty of times where Chelsea have had lots of other focuses. I really think the only one where you can be like, yeah, Chelsea were really going for it is is 21-22 when we were knocked out in the group stage. And the, and so then the, the league was sort of all we had to focus on. But then before that, you've got Chelsea going on a run to the Champions League final. That was obviously their focus. Again, last season, Champions League was their focus. So... They and and in lots of those seasons they were up against teams that weren't in the Champions League as well. Like you know, last year they're going head to head with United, and United only have one game a week, and Chelsea have two. So, I I I do genuinely feel like I love Chelsea. I think they're an amazing team. But when you look at like their the run they've been able to put together, I think it says a lot more about the rest of the top four than it does them. Genuinely, well, pull your finger out, lads. That's what Jesse's <laughs> saying. It's going to be interesting. We're going to obviously talk more about like that second half of the season for Chelsea because it, it, the dynamic does feel different that it's Emma Hayes' last. For better or worse, we'll have to wait and see. And also a lot of that will depend on where they get to in the Champions League and how it impacts them. Uh, a few other points I want to make around Chelsea right now. Uh, Micah Hamano's debut. I missed it. Well, That's you sad. watched it, but you weren't there. No, it's IRL. not the same, is it? <laughs> Well, you still watched it. Uh, my question was, decent first 15 minutes yeah, or so? Yeah, does she look good? It's interesting because I feel like sort of physically you can tell that she's only 19 years old. But also I think it's funny because she's got this sort of like very cute smiley vibe. And she came on and like immediately Jamie Lee Napier was like going at her. And she like 
proper like stood up to her and I was like all right fair play like you've obviously got a bit of bite to you as well um yeah I I think it was it was a weird sort of end of the game because uh Chelsea made quite a lot of changes average age of the the front line was 20 by by the end of the match and it felt like you could tell that like these were players who hadn't played together a lot but um yeah she had some good moments Aggie Beaver Jones looked good again, and then Neve Charles got sent off. So it was just quite a funny game. Just for a laugh, really. Just Basically, to spice things yeah. up. And then finally, before we end my interrogation of Jesse Park Humphreys on Chelsea, <laughs> Hannah Hampton, you called me crazy a few weeks ago when I said throw her in because Muzovic and Berger were going a little bit wild. Nothing's changed since then. They're still very wobbly, both of them. Hampton pulls off a very, very impressive one-on-one save in the Bristol City game. A few other big moments, but really, like, shouldn't have tons to do. But off of that, are we throwing Hampton in for maybe Champions League this week or the, the, the next side of the WSL after Christmas? Listen, you know me. I'm not a one-game sample size kind of guy. I thought she played well. Well, Emma Hayes would disagree, but... <laughs> 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 that was good. <laughs> yeah, you take that. You take that. Come that on. was a five-game sample size. Emma. <laughs> um, yeah, the save. The save was good, and I thought it was good that she had something to do. I think you know, especially when Musovic first came into the team, it was like she played all these games where nothing happened, and you were like, I don't know whether she's a very good goalkeeper or mm. not. And fortunately for Hannah Hampton, in my opinion, I have seen Hannah Hampton play more than one game, <laughs> and I still kind of know where I think she is as a goalkeeper. Distribution was really good, though, um, but again, kind of know that. Uh, I personally wouldn't start in the Champions League, but then I wouldn't have started against Bristol City, so I'm not. Listen know, to Coach Lloyd Hughes. Come on, we can do it. Uh, Kate, let's bring you back in because I've just been interviewing Jesse. <laughs> what do you think about Chelsea, Kate? <laughs> no, but Hampton, would you give her a go? Hmm. <sighs> I think not if, convinced. <laughs> no, I, I, no, this is nothing against Hannah Hampton. Why I, do you I just think? Hampton, yeah, what's your what's your agenda? People on Twitter, Kate's got an agenda. <laughs> tweet about it. I just think if if Chelsea had sort of the group wrapped up and had won all their games, then yeah, maybe. But it's it's quite a big game, an important game to come into, mm. and then just chuck someone in for their first Champions League game and and go. Will keep us a clean sheet and and be really good, you know. Whereas the other two have got more experience. I can't see Emma Hayes doing it. Um, but then also, I don't know Emma Hayes. She does things sometimes where I'm like, true. I actually have true no that. idea what yeah. you're doing, but it works. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm very non plus. I'm very. I think all three keepers are good. Um, I also think they all have their weaknesses, which every keeper does. Um, but I would be surprised if she started in the Champions League while they're position in the the table for Champions League is a is a little bit promiscuous. Well oh, promiscuous. Yeah, sorry, you meant precarious. <laughs> oh fuck is it? Oh yeah, not promiscuous. What a choice of words. Damn it, I'm not using big words anymore. <laughs> uh yeah, Chelsea go to Hecken on Wednesday. So it will be interesting because yeah, I think Emma Hayes' goalkeeper roulette has been in full flow this season. And I don't know if it like she just loves to just spin the wheel. The one thing I will say is like AKB hasn't been available because she's been ill and I don't know whether Musevich was also a bit ill and whether that's why Hampton 
started and we'll never know because yeah, well, you can never trust her. Exactly. I AKB wouldn't even, could have something else wrong with her. I wouldn't even know. trust Emma Hayes when she says anyone's ill. Melanie Lupoltz has had a fever for about three months. I so. could not believe when Micah Hermano actually played because I was so <laughs> convinced she just said it to distract from the heckin' game. I was like, no way is this girl getting anywhere near the squad. And she came on I was like, what the fuck? Wow, some truth. Uh, let's quickly as well give honourable mention to Manchester City. Big 4-1 win against Everton. Looked really good in this game. Really aggressive. The ruthless Manchester City, which I sometimes get frustrated that they are not. Everton are struggling this season. They are a team that get sort of broken down and struggle to find a way back in. They take a lot of risks. They like to sort of play true to their philosophy and style, which gets them into trouble, especially in a team that's going to press them hard like City. But there were some moments which I think were were impressive and a bit of growth, especially Chloe Kelly tracking back a lot in this game, which I think is really important to her game, you know, how she plays for City and for England. But that means City head into the winter break in second, three points behind Chelsea. It's frustrating, Kate, because that Brighton game is just a blot on their season and might be, who knows, the reason why they end up not winning the league. There's still a lot more football to be played, but still. And really, like, they have serious title credentials still, even even with that defeat, because, like, they, they have been very strong and consistent this season. But I am like, oh, if you hadn't lost that Brighton game, you could be top. Yeah, even the the goal against Arsenal that was two one, um, you know, like a late a late um, goal that lost them the game as well. There's sort of moments in the season where you've been like, oh, how have they managed to throw that away? Um, but I think they're looking really good. I think they they look like they're going to score a ton of goals, which they are. Um, even Chelsea early in the season when they went down to nine with like that crazy red card. They just, I don't know, just seem to have a bit more backbone about them. And yes, of course, Brighton, it's a terrible result. But I do think every team has one of those in the season. Mm. So as long as they don't repeat it again. Um, Bunny Shaw, I mean, if you ask our opinions on Bunny Shaw now, Jesse, I'd say... She's elite because she's got I've, three can I say, this I've calendar always, year. I, I hate calendar year stats so, so much. I've always said she's elite, so you don't need to ask me twice. I've been the Bunny Shaw truther on this pod. Can't say the same for the rest of you. Frauds. I mean, I said she was very hard to play against. <laughs> but no, I, I think you, you can clearly see like she's an unreal finisher at times and then sometimes you're like... Ah, there is an yeah. Everton tax and the goalkeeping on that ridiculous left-footed lob by Brosnan was dodge. I will say the thing that I have always loved about Bunny Shaw is how good she is with her left and right. And like mm. one of my favourite Bunny Shaw stats is after her first season at City, she had like an even number of left-footed goals, right-footed goals and headers. <sighs> wow, That's the stat you want. Yeah. yeah. Around. Perfect hat-trick, obviously. You know why? Because she's elite. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Complete player. But yeah, I just, I've been liking City's vibe. They were up there with my predictions. I thought they would just miss out on the title to Chelsea, but I really want them to push it all the way and they're going to need big results against the rest of the top four. I think they can do against Manchester United. Can they do it against Arsenal? I'm not sure. But they will have Kiara... Arsenal at home, which I think is yeah, like, and that suits them. Really, they've lost those games against Chelsea and Arsenal because of fine margins. Kiara Keating loses her head and runs out where she doesn't need to. The unfortunate Alex Greenwood 
like sending off, which shouldn't have been a sending off. The hemp one was like they could have been very different scenarios in those games. So I think that shows how close they are. But yeah, City just the only thing I worry about for them, and maybe it won't have to matter, but I do think that squad feels quite thin. And I think that would be the advantage I would say Arsenal have is that Arsenal built a squad to play Champions League football and they've got the depth to back it up. Whereas City, I feel like, because they they sort of haven't had Champions League football for a while, naturally their squads kind of slim down as a result. And you do just think, like, what if Bunny does pick up an injury and then you've got to play Fowler as the nine or Dana as the nine. I, that, that that would be for me, like, I feel like there's more drop-off in the City squad than maybe there is in other places. City got to come... But they could do something about that in January as well. Yeah, and City got to come back and play Liverpool first WSL game back. It's like, it feels like a game nobody wants right now. Mm. <laughs> Counter-pressed breaking news <laughs> alert. Jonathan Giraldez has announced he is leaving Barcelona at the end of the season. It had already been widely reported that he had rejected a new contract offer um, and there were links with him to the Chelsea job, but he has announced in his press conference that he will not be staying in Europe. There are reports that he is heading to the Washington Spirit in the end of a cell. So if that is true, I feel like, you know, even though it's a big financial offer, any big WSL club, especially one like Chelsea, would easily match that money. So I personally think it's a little bit unambitious. And I know maybe he's Barcelona got Barcelona people love Barcelona that like I think you can't you like can't overlook like But it's but it's just so, like it's I, th- I think it's just such boring, unnecessary loyalty because I really don't think the Barcelona fans are gonna be that distraught if he ends up at uh, like a, 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 a I would lose my mind. <laughs> If I was a Barcelona fan and then he, our manager went to Chelsea. If he was if oh he went, God, I'd have been doing like the pickhead stuff. That's what I'm saying. If he went to Real Madrid, I'd be like, okay, you're going to Chelsea. Okay, you're going to a league rival in Spain, a huge club rival too. But at the same time, I like obviously I know the there's a rivalry there in Europe between Chelsea and Barcelona, but I would be like, okay, you want to go and do a new project you're with not an being ambitious a Premier League enough. team. You're not being a hater. Sorry, enough. I mean Obviously, I don't support Barcelona, so, you know, can't relate. But at the same time, I'm like, I just think that's so cringe to be like, oh, I could never go to a team that's going to play against Barcelona. Okay, well, then your options are pretty limited, mate, for like big jobs. You're basically limiting your career in order to just like be a bit nice. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) To be a bit nice. Uh, Don't you get that, though? Like, if you like love a club, like that you're like... Yeah, we all love clubs, but like, come on. Would you go and manage against QPR? Yeah, 100% because I bloody beat them because they're crap. <laughs> so it'd be an easy job. Yeah. I just think, I think, I get it, I get it. It's loyalty and, you know, the the heritage and history of clubs like Barcelona and Real Madrid, uh, you know, like it means a lot and the fan base there is huge and the membership is huge. And if you play for the club and you stay at the club, think about Pep and everything. But like... Imagine if Emma Hayes had said she was going to Barcelona. I'd be like, ambitious queen, I stand. <laughs> but here's the thing, but you're the not wom- guaranteed wom- to play against them either. Well, that's true. You but basically also, are. Jesse, Jesse, the world of women's football is too small to be getting like polite about jobs. Sorry. like. Well, he's just get, he's getting his salary like five times. Yeah, well, he's, he's, earn yeah, but he's getting loads of money, but he could earn loads of money at another big club like because th- people can 
create salaries out of nowhere if they really want a manager or a player that they really want. We see it in women's football all the time. So if he if he wanted to go to Chelsea, Chelsea would easily match that salary offer in a heartbeat. Anyway, I don't care because I don't want him. Maybe he saw the attendances at Stamford Bridge <laughs> and thought, no, nah, I'm not about that life. I don't know if the NWSL is going to rock his world then, if that's the case. Well, the camp, nothing will compare to like a packed Camp new, But I just, I think it's unambitious. I really do. I think it's unambitious. But I disagree. <laughs> So you think it's ambitious to go to the Washington Spirit at the end of SL? No, I think if he was ambitious, he'd stayed with like Barcelona. But if he, if I don't know, Barcelona seems like bonkers behind the scenes. If he doesn't want to stay there and if they don't offer him much money, I'm like, well, good for you, mate. Maybe he can win the league and the playoff. Oh, like wow. that. Could yeah. he be the first person yeah, to do done. that? Probably, yeah. That's huge. I cannot wait to see Ashley Hatch playing Tiki Taka football. That's what I'm saying. That is huge. The way Kate said that, that is history right yeah. there. I, I, th- I think it's unambitious to move from a, a place where you'll be playing Champions League, like top tier, and an opportunity where you could have carried on to do that for any other club in Europe, to go and follow the money in the end of SL just because of your loyalty to Barcelona. I think it's lame. Well, Michelle Kangmo playing 4D chess, taking out Barcelona's manager to give Leon a free run at everything. I thought you were going to say because Jonathan's going to, to London City. City. Oh, this is, wow. Because a little John playing tiki taka football, I would be there. Well, because he's certainly not going to be playing against Chelsea then, would he? He wouldn't be playing against Barcelona either because they're not in the Champions League. So it works both ways. Not London yet. City Lionesses winning the Champions League. Amazing. Amazing. I will be there. I will be there. Oh, I feel like that was a ride. That breaking news really took me on a journey. You broke it really well as well. Yeah. <laughs> Only one take. That's all it was. One take. Can Easy. I just say, I've just got a text from my girlfriend saying, did you say to Flo that I fancied Taylor Hines or something? <laughs> because I did say that this morning and Flo <laughs> sent her randomly a Taylor Hines photo. Yeah, That's just really made me laugh. It's an iconic... Uh, relic from Liverpool's championship season last year where Taylor Hines posted that one of the dads of an opposition player complained that her nails were too long. What? Yeah, and she put up a pic saying they'll be longer next time. <laughs> Iconic scenes. So Taylor Hines, we obviously stand. We stand Taylor Hines. But yeah, it's a busy one, guys. And it is our last sort of WSL rap show. We've obviously got special festive episodes coming your way over Christmas, so don't worry. But it's our last WSL rap show of the year, God, that WSL break really drags, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm ready for a break, but I already feel sad. Like, I realised I'd already been to my last Chelsea game in person because I'm not going to Sweden. I didn't get to Bristol and I was like... Fake fan. Fake fan. It's true. Many people Dragon. have said Many people have said <laughs> it. About people say, Do not know ball. That's what they say. <laughs> Surname is too long. <laughs> <laughs> but Nuko, if you're listening, please... Less of a winter break, more teams, more games. Thanks very much. But yeah, I hate I hate how long this is. It's, it really drags. But we'll be back in the new year. We've got the Christmas quiz coming out on Thursday. Mentally prepare yourself for that. It's extremely chaotic. And there's one point where Kay Longhurst will burst your eardrums. So just prepare yourself for that Every well. girl's dream. Sorry. <laughs> and then we'll be dropping a little mid-season review slash counterpred mid-season awards. And then we'll be back after the FA Cup. Obviously, we did the fourth round draw. So we'll be 
reacting to those games on Monday the 15th of Jan. So I hope everyone has a great festive season, whether or not you are celebrating Christmas. Enjoy it, relax, chill out. I hope you get some nice time off work as well. And we will see you all soon.